Welcome to today's message from Refuge Point Church. We would love for you to join us for one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org. Or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play. Now, here's today's message. If you're new with us, uh, this is something we celebrate every year. In fact, this year is a little bit more traditional. And each week we'll have some uh, liturgy readings for us to go through and uh, even our Advent candle wreath over here. Uh, and each week one light is, there's a theme for it, and we're going to get to that uh, this morning. In fact, the first candle, which I mentioned in, in our liturgy reading this morning, is that this is a candle of hope. And um, in fact, it could be intermixed with hope and promise. And so what I thought we could do over the next few weeks of our Advent season here is, is talk through that uh, each, each week with a different theme surrounding seasons. Um, now, I know some of us don't know what a season is because we all grew up in the South, and so it's just summer, cold summer, cold summer, cold. <laughs> Three days ago, it would be 40. Today, it's like almost 80. Uh, the devil's a lie, and uh, he is moving in the South. But if, if you've ever been outside of the South, uh, you see trees that change colors, not just like change colors on a dime and then all of a sudden they're, they're brown and they're off the tree, uh, it, aside from if you have a ginkgo tree. Uh, but anyway, um, but, but, but if you've been around like other places around the country, you notice that there are seasons and they actually, uh, there are four seasons. Isn't that interesting? You know, some of you came to church and you learned something today. Um, so I'm not really talking about weather because weather is foolish, as you know, growing up here in the South. But what I want to talk about is the season of uh, Christmas and Advent. Advent is just a fancy word that means um, waiting, um, like angst almost of waiting. And uh, I want to talk about Christmas, if I can. I love Christmas. Uh, Christmas is one of my favorite times uh, of the year, and mainly because of what it does, what it invokes in my children um, it's just incredible to see, uh, in fact, you could pull me down probably just a smidge more, um, Prophet Ben, I appreciate that. Okay, there we go. Um, it, it, I like, he's not a prophet. Uh, I like what uh, it does in my children. It evokes like a lot of excitement in them, and it's, for me, that's a joy to watch. It's a joy to watch, um, you know, especially my little girl, she gets all in it. Um, and if Jude doesn't get in it, then he doesn't get a Christmas present. And I, I don't know where he's at, but he left. But um, I just love what it does for little children. It just gives them this excitement, and they're just, you know, they're like, they're, they're anticipating, you know, and they're like, they love the lights. They love the Christmas songs. And, you know, I used to hate Christmas songs. Uh, in fact, if you're a musician, you know why, because they're hard to play. Um, and, and, um, but I'll be, I'll be honest, like, things began to change a little bit with children, and I kind of like it now. In fact, uh, don't judge me, but we put our Christmas lights out the day after Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, how many of you are, are day after Thanksgivingers? <laughs> Two of us. Don't judge. Okay, I got, I'm, look, this is a safe place. Y'all can be honest. Ain't nobody going to judge y'all if y'all are out there the day after Thanksgiving. Instead of going Black Friday shopping, you're doing something sacred and holy and putting out your lights so the darkness can be penetrated. I wish I had some help in here this morning, but that's okay. Uh, and that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're just trying to shine the light of Christ in 
the greater valley area with our Christmas lights a little bit early. In fact, some of you are super holy. You're like, well, I celebrate Jesus' birth every day. And praise God, like you are singing joy to the world every single day, and that's great. I have no idea where I'm going with this. In fact, even if non-believers, even secularism, the world is even celebrating um, this season of light, which is contradictory to what season, physical season we're in, which is a season of darkness. I mean, for crying out loud, it gets dark at 5.30. Who's got time for that? You know, if you're in central time, it's 4.30. I mean, you're just now waking up. And by the time you wake up, it's dark. I mean, the devil is a lie. Can we stop this, government? And so, and so, we, so, so what secularism and even what us as Christians are doing, we're, we're celebrating something that's contrary to what the physical season that we're in. We're not celebrating light to dark which is the physical season that we're in, even secularism is celebrating darkness to light. If you don't believe me, then you haven't seen Elf. Buddy the Elf, anyone? Guy's got some joy and he's bringing light. All right? Clark Griswold, anyone? I mean, he's trying to light up his whole neighborhood. And I can go on with all these cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies that ain't nobody got time to watch. Miranda, you should stop watching them. And Netflix is trying to kill us, too, with those stupid movies. There is even in the secularism that we live, they're actually celebrating something that we're celebrating. They just don't get it, which is a season of light, a season of hope, a season of joy, a season of let's just pause and reflect and breathe in all of the goodness that's around us. When you just kind of get this time in church and outside of church where we're just all in this time of celebrating from darkness into light. Now, this is what Christmas, this is what Advent is about, a people going from darkness into light. This is what the season that we're celebrating, this is what Advent is all about, as as in our darkness being pulled out into the light of Christ, and we're waiting in this for, for what we believe is a second coming. But before we can even get that, we've got to talk about the first coming. And what I want to talk about today is, is that promise, that season of promise that was talked about for a really long time. In fact, if you want to grab your Bible, you can uh, go to Genesis chapter 12. We've got just a few scriptures that we're going to be in. And I want to just kind of get to uh, us, and, I, and, I, and I, if we're all honest in here, we could probably all say that we're in a season of, of promise, but, but what you really need to know is, is that the season of promise can be, um, can be kind of a downer sometimes. Yeah. Maybe perhaps you're here and God's promised you salvation in your home or promised you whatever that is in your life. You may, be, you may find yourself what um, Israel in the Old Testament is going to show us that the season of promise oftentimes is not a joyous thing. Um, and in fact, we can get our eyes uh, off of the one who gave us the promise just because we're so inundated with the promise. In Genesis chapter 12, I'm going to walk us through kind of a story of the Old Testament, uh, if I can. 
And I want to start in Genesis chapter 12 in verse 1 with a promise that God made to Abraham. And this is what we call uh, Abraham's covenant. Uh, this is one of three of the promises that God gives to Abraham. This is all kind of included in one um, promise. And I want to talk about this one because God gives Abraham something pretty spectacular. And so here's the word of the Lord, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to take it to verse 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I want you to pay attention to verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And notice this right here. And give me that word. There you go. Three of you got that word. What's that word? All. all. You know, the Greek word for all is all. And all, I don't know, I just made that up. And all the peoples will be blessed through you. All takes this from being non-Judaism to a more inclusive promise to Abraham now, this is interesting because prior to this, there hasn't been a type of promise that God gives Abraham. So God is basically telling Abraham, like, Abraham, and, and I want you to notice this because you need to understand that Abraham's 75 years old. And this is, ex- this is old. <laughs> I had to stop myself because I almost said this is extremely old. <laughs> but come on now. I mean, this is, uh, okay, the devil is a lie. Um, so... <laughs> But let's be honest, this is old. And at this point, Abraham does not have a child. And so Abraham hears a physical promise instead of the eternal promise. And so all Abraham is really focused on is a promise that he will, uh, his line will be continued. And this was important for these men in this time. So, so here's Abraham, 75 years old. And this is an interesting promise because prior to this, We had not had a promise like this because what had happened is that the fall of man had taken place just a few chapters previous to this. Just nine chapters before this, we get the fall where sin comes into our world and corrupts things and perverts things. And so here finally is a glimpse of hope for the whole world. Now, if if I could just indulge us for just a moment. Um, if you look at the next promise that God gives to Abraham, is three chapters after this, chapter 15. But you can read that in within 20 minutes, 25 minutes, but this takes place 25 years later. Okay. And Abraham is still without a fulfillment of a promise. So you've got to understand his frustration. So the Lord comes back to Abraham, and this chapter really gets on my nerves because... God is all joyous, and the messenger of the Lord is like, hello, my great servant, blessings to you, and he's just all over excited, you know, he's like John, (laughs) he's just a big bubble of joy, Uh and he's about to give him another promise, and Abraham says something that I think is, it, it, it displays his humanity, And Abraham said, don't give me another promise. 
You haven't even fulfilled what you said you would do 25 years ago. And now you're about to give me another promise? Come on, God. You ever felt like that before? It makes, me compl- makes my complaining seem a little childish. I haven't waited 25 years. I mean, barely over 25. Uh-huh. Amen? When I keep my beard shaved, the gray doesn't come through as much, so <laughs> pull that off. But the church is making me gray. Actually, it's my children and my wife. I'm joking. Um, not really. So, so here is 25 years of nothing. And Abraham is here, and God does something. And I love, I love the voice of the Lord. I love how he communicates because he's like... If you don't believe sarcasm is in the Bible, then you hadn't read the Bible, right? And so Abraham takes, God takes Abraham out, and he says, I want you to look at the stars and count them if you can. Now, that's how it goes in my head, right? I'm like, come on, really? He can't count them. And so God is renewing a covenant that we made with him in chapter 12 and said, listen, this is going to extend beyond just you and your situation. And what God wanted Abraham to know is that this promise isn't about you, is for the nations. And this promise has eternal significance to it. That it's more just about you getting a son. But it's about something that's going to reconcile the entire cosmos through you, Abraham. Now the problem is, is that again, more time con- continues. 400 years later, 400 plus years later, we went through the book of Exodus recently and we find Moses freeing them out and yet the promise is not still fulfilled. There has not been this promise of a Savior come yet. So Moses comes and then, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years happen. Israel gets shaky Joshua takes them into the promised land. They take their eyes off of the promise sore and on the promise. And something inside of them says, well, we want what other nations have. We want a king. So God gives them what they want. He gives them Saul. And so Saul comes and he becomes a wicked guy. God doesn't leave his people. He gives them David. And so here for some good time, Israel is on this incredible journey where they have their prosperity. They have things that they were looking for. And yet somewhere along the line, they take their eyes of the one who gave them the promise because they were more interested in the promise of prosperity instead of the one who can give them eternal prosperity. And so the kingdom of Israel gets incredibly difficult in its history a few kings get it right, and then all of a sudden, just things go south for Israel. The nation becomes divided, and you get ten tribes. They go north, and so you have the north Israel, and then the south Israel. And then, and then Assyria comes, and they take over, and they you get this guy around 700 B.C. named Isaiah, and still no fulfillment of the promise. So Isaiah comes on the scene. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 9. This is the incredible Christmas Advent promise that Isaiah gives. 
And Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 1, Nevertheless, the gloom and the distressed land, which is a huge understatement here, will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali, not Natali, Natali, right? But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan and the Galilee of the nations. Check this out. And the people walking in darkness, who had been walking in darkness for hundreds of years, and will walk in darkness for at least 700 more years. They have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people, they've rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time. And as they rejoice when dividing spoils, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke. And the rod of their shoulders staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be turned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, and the dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So so here is uh, another guy who comes on the scene, and he besieges and invades the region of Galilee, and this includes Nebulon and Naphtali, and he incorporates it into his kingdom, into his empire. And so now all of a sudden, this doom, this gloom and distress has a lot of weight for these people because now they understand what gloom and distress means. Because suddenly... The covenantal love of God seems like it's non-existent to the people anymore. Now they find themselves almost at the hands of the enemy. And Isaiah here is still wanting to point them back to the promise that God made Abraham some 1,300 years before this period of time that's telling them that there will be hope for us. But the hope that we're looking for isn't in earthly prosperity. The hope we're looking for is in eternal prosperity. And Isaiah wants to redirect the children of Israel's attention because these people are now being led into exile. And now these ten tribes who had drifted off and sectioned off into the north, who rejected David's kingdom... Isaiah is talking to them and telling them that the Davidic kingdom that you rejected, God's kingdom through David will bring you back into this. So these people who are rejecting David's kingdom, God is like, this is going to be for you also. Those of you who are rejecting this promise, I will make good on my word. I will make good on my promise. But we still find ourselves in this conundrum in the Old Testament 
And you get all of these prophets who are talking about this promise of a Savior coming. Jeremiah 33 verse 14 says, Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David, and he will administer justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is what she will be named. The Lord is our righteousness. So here is Jeremiah continuing the same conversation that God had made to Abraham, telling them, listen, the promise will be fulfilled. But somewhere along the way, the children of Israel had got so kept and so wrapped up on the promise that they forsook the promisor. And I think that's indicative of our own lives, that a lot of times we can get so wrapped up on a promise that God has given us, that we take our eyes completely off of the one who gives us the promise. Like, like I I know this for true because um, when we started Refuge, like I I believe God gave us a promise of of how things are going to turn out, but how things have panned out haven't been the same as what I know the promise of God is for us. And I think sometimes I've gotten so wrapped up on this promise that even I as a pastor have taken my eyes off of the one who gave us this promise. Amen. That we will see transformation. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can just get so caught up. Well, God has promised me that, that my relationships will be <coughs> reconciled. God has promised me that we'll get, um, that my family will be saved and that, or that this or that. And I think so many times we can just so, get so caught up in those promises that we forget about the one who gave us a promise. And, and what happens is, is sometimes uh, it, 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 what's going to happen is it's going to prolong the fulfillment of that promise. And God wanted to prolong the fulfillment of the promise for 2,000 years just so they would always keep their eyes on him. Amen. But they didn't. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, come on, children of Israel. Complain, they just kept getting it wrong. They're like, I want prosperity, I want what they have. Doesn't sound like any of us, does it? Well, I gotta have what they're having right over there. Why can't our church be like that? Why can't my house be like that? Why can't my family be like that? Why can't I have a good spouse? Why can't my relationships be good? So we take our eyes off of Christ and we're just focused on me. So Christ here is wanting to redirect us so that we can put our eyes and place our eyes back on him. So the intertestamental period happens. This is where Malachi comes in and he starts screaming at him. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Yeah. And then the intertestamental period is about 400 years of just absolutely nothing. No, Nothing except for a people 
who are clinging to a promise that has not been fulfilled. And the thing that they could only do at this time is a four-letter word, wait. Because I treat that like a four-letter word. Don't tell me to wait. I will knock you upside your head. I ain't got time. I'll tell my children, you ain't in my car at a certain time. I will leave you. Now, I ain't done it yet, but I will. I'm an impatient person. Take after my father. He's not here to defend himself this morning. To throw her trait. I don't have time to wait. I ain't got time to wait on you. I ain't got time to wait on nobody. Because I'm a fast-paced person. I got to get it. If you don't show up, it's fine. I'll, I'll do it without you. <laughs> That's so mean, isn't it? Is that mean? No. It's my personality. I mean, love me anyway. I don't like waiting. And I couldn't imagine here for 2,000 years they're waiting for a fulfillment of a promise. Can we stop complaining a little bit when God hasn't moved like we think he ought to move? God doesn't show up in the time frame. Like it's like it's like God making this promise. Now here, here's what it's like. Now, and I may have used this illustration before, so forgive me if I have. If I tell you that I'm going to pick you up at five o'clock, but I don't show up at five o'clock until next year. <laughs> I didn't lie. I showed up at five o'clock on Matthew Stephen Thrower's time. This is God. I'm going to come, but I'm not going to come on your time. I'm going to come. But see, God didn't really have time because he's not confined by it. And then in the Gospel of Matthew, here's Matthew writing this genealogy of Jesus Christ, right? And sometimes, like, when we're going through our yearly plan, um, how many of you are still in your yearly plan? Great, good for you. Um, welcome to the rest of us, right? Uh, we, it, it, maybe it's Numbers' fault or Leviticus. I don't know. Anyway, uh, and so, so we get to Matthew. And we want to skip over the genealogy because we're like, God, do we really have to know the family tree here? Like, who cares where you came from? There's something significant in here. The very first verse in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 1, he says, and the genealogy of Jesus, son of Abraham, son of David. You know why that's significant? Because God does not lie and he keeps his promises. Amen. Matthew is here pointing them back to this reality that God is a promise keeper. Okay. And I gave you this promise 2,000 years ago, but now suddenly the skies explode. And angels begin to rejoice and sing because God keeps his promise. And there is not a word that will return void back to him because that is outside his character. His character is that he is a God who keeps his promises. Amen. And so I just want to encourage us this morning because, like, like for me, Advent is a time, Christmas is a time where, where I, would, I would like to say I'm going to try to slow my rhythm down, okay? Now, I... 
I need accountability on that because, I, again, that's just not my nature. But uh, I would like to say that it's, it's a time where I can just slow down and just kind of enjoy all that God has for us. And, and here's what I want to encourage us in, is that even when God has promised you something and it has not happened, I want you to reflect and, and think about that God doesn't lie and he keeps his word. Because God does not fail. Amen. And God keeps his promises. Amen. And every promise that God gives us, every promise that God gives you, it'll happen. The reality is, is that most of the time the promise isn't necessarily about you, like, like the promise that God has given to this church. It's not about me. How dumb would that be if there's a promise that's about me? Because then that would kind of communicate that this church is about me. And let's just say, y'all better leave real quickly if this church is about me. You didn't have to amen that. <laughs> the promise is always about him. So understand that when God gives you a promise, it's not necessarily just about the situation you're in, but it's about him and him getting glory. So as we are in a time of waiting, time of Advent, we wait in anticipation for the fulfillment of the promise of God to come in our own lives. So here are these children of Israel. Remember now, they've got their eyes set on prosperity. They've got their eyes set on governmental rule. And God chooses to break open the sky to people that you really wouldn't put into a story and the people of God miss the fulfillment of a promise because their eyes were on power, prosperity, and they missed the promise being fulfilled right in front of them. So don't miss the fulfillment. Keep your eyes on Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's, let's not get so focused to where we're so focused on the promise that we forget about the one who made the promise. Christ comes to redeem us. And, and the fulfillment is for us that Christ has saved us. But the promise that we still have is that one day Christ will come and clean house. Amen. And we will be with him forever. Yeah. Let me just take us into a word, a time of prayer, and then in just a moment we're going to break into communion. But... We just offer up a word of prayer this morning. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Refuge Point Church's broadcast. We hope you were both challenged and encouraged by today's message. We would love for you to join us at one of our exciting worship gatherings each Sunday at either 9.30 a.m. or 11.15 a.m. We're located right off of I-85 in downtown West Point, Georgia. For more information, check us out online at www.refugepointchurch.org or you can download our church app by searching for Refuge Point Church in iTunes or Google Play.